You're listening to episode six of Two Asian Vaginas, the podcast where Rachel Lee and Nina Yu dig into a new topic every other week and psychoanalyze the way we grew up, shaped, and influenced who we are today. It's totally not stereotypical at all. In this episode, we're talking about Dalla Dalla Bills. You're going to get a healthy dose of childhood stories, our view on the crippling sense of debt, and on the other side of the spectrum, generosity and how freeing it is. We're also going to be talking about taxes because how can you not? It's the month of April and a whole lot more. So stay tuned. All right. So the question for today is related to our overall topic of the dollar dollar bills. And the question is, Nina, what is the best purchase you've made all week and why? Okay. Um, for me, the best purchase, I wouldn't, I guess I would consider it a purchase because it cost me money. Um, I've had to go to the doctor several times this week and those appointments and those copays have been great purchases because these are appointments that have been long coming. They're for health and for my good and those around me so that I can get things figured out. Um, was that too deep? I don't know. Was that too personal? <laughs> I have no idea. But to help. <laughs> yeah, but here you are, listeners, um, completely in the know that to me, my best purchases have to do at least this week um, with regards to health. How about you, Rachel? I went to dinner with a friend on Friday last week and uh, she recently got engaged. And so I decided to buy dinner for us. And it was really lovely to be able to do that. I think it's really true, though often forgotten that Sometimes being able to spend your money to help someone else or just to to love on someone else is really nice. Amen. That's a, that is truth. So speaking of money, that's exactly what today's topic is all about. I really got interested in this because I feel like money is such a there's such a duality to the concept and the topic of it. On one sense, we all work ourselves to the ground could potentially be working ourselves to the ground to make that money and to have a certain standard of living. And other, on the other side of it, it really is this powerful tool that enables people to totally change their life around, not just for them, but for their family and the community and the people around them. Mm -hmm. And it really opens doors. And so I want to talk about money and all of it. But as with many of our other episodes, I really want to dig all the way to the past <laughs> and understand how our upbringing and the communities we grew up in truly affect and influence the way we view money now as adults. Mm. So, um, Nina, could you maybe share a little bit about the family you grew up in and what money was like in that context and how that impacts you today? Well, I grew up, uh, my parents both emigrated from Korea and they came with so little, actually. I can't remember the exact dollar amount, but it was, I don't even think it amounted to like over a thousand dollars at the time. Um, and like a suitcase and those things. And, and they worked hard to get to where they were, but my parents were not rich. And I never grew up thinking that we were, but I also didn't grow up thinking that we were in a lower income bracket either. If there was anything that we needed my parents were always for and their concept of money was more along the lines of if you need something then go ahead and spend the amount of money whatever the cost may be but if it's something that it's really frivolous and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of kind of value to it then 
avoid it if possible. And my parents themselves are very modest. You, they're very unassuming in the way they dress. They're not ostentatious by any stretch of the imagination. And so that's kind of how I grew up. But then I think, as and as I became older, I realized that my parents, I really didn't understand how they were funding certain things in my life. And there was a period of time in high school when it was very cool <laughs> to have expensive jeans, and I definitely was a participant in this evil marketing scheme. <laughs> and so I. I would ask my parents for it, and they didn't really understand why I would want something like this. But they were able to provide it, not in sort of this lavish way where you overlook the cost of a two hundred dollar pair of jeans, but you realize, wow, this is kind of expensive.、Um, but it was never a hard and flat no. And then I remember as I was applying to colleges, and you have to fill out your FAFSA, which is your financial aid form, to receive various. Government aid or even scholarships and things like that from school, having to fill out my parents' income, and I was so shocked at how, by America's standards, I guess, like how little they made, by third world country standards, obviously, like how much they made,、um, and really wondering how did they make certain things in my life possible. And I realized that it was through their sacrifice that they were doing this, the jobs that they were working. The way that they were cutting certain things out of their lives, and so that kind of opened my eyes to see, like, while money is something that it doesn't, it's not readily available from my parents, but instead it came at a cost, and so there was that aspect of how I grew up, and I think now it lends to my desire to spend money on experiences, but not. But try to not spend money on things that really won't take me, you know, throughout the course of the next several months, or won't have these enduring sorts of memories.、Um, yeah. That's like a little bit of it. There's certainly like more aspects of it, but I, I realize like money is not—it's not my identity and it's not my aspiration. But I've been able to live through its. Like as you had mentioned earlier, Rachel, the doors that it opens, as well as the sacrifices that have to be made in order to have certain things. Our parents definitely were all about making those sacrifices and doing those jobs in order to provide,、mm. so that we didn't have to grow up in that way, and so that it really opened those doors. I think they really saw money as that mechanism in that positive way to provide a much better experience or with less trouble. Yeah, on your end of things. How was it when you were younger? If that makes sense, like how it's basically like turning the question back to you. Yeah, this is definitely one topic where our identities really do kind of overlap in a lot of ways. Having grown up in Korean American homes, my parents also grew up in Korea and then moved over to the states. My dad came over when he was in high school, then my mom came over after they got married. But nevertheless, they were very much. Accustomed to the idea and concept of America being a place of opportunity and、yeah. starting off with not too much and doing everything that they can to provide for the next generation. So one story and example that always sticks with me is my mom used to be the coupon queen. It was very normal to spend or see her、uh, spend an afternoon going through the newspaper and like cutting out all the coupons for things that she, that she wanted or she knew we needed for the family,、mm-hmm. and then had this zip. Block bag that got so much wear and tear over time. Definitely went through a few of those, and she just always had this in her purse. We would go to the store, and then my sister and I would make it a game to go into the grocery store and like 
<laughs> you remember those red those red coupon machines in the aisles? Yes. Pink? And then, yeah, so we had so much fun going around the supermarket, finding all of those coupons, wasting so much paper. And then, you know, the, the point of mortification was when we went to the checkout aisle. Mm. And this is, you know, when we're checking out and my mom digs into her bag, pulls out her Ziploc of coupons, and is just like fumbling through the coupons to find the one that would save us mm. like 50 cents yeah. or buy one, get one free you know, which is normally not the case. Normally you're saving like dimes and quarters. Yeah. Um, but it really was through her intentionality and her decision to make those kinds of calls that really saved us a lot of money and then allowed us to do things like go to college or go to the water park for the weekend or something like that. <laughs> I think as kids, you just have such little visibility and understanding of what everything costs and what mm. goes into that. So similar to you, I think it wasn't until college and maybe even once I started working that that really became a reality because definitely my first job and paycheck was so, 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 so small. Mm-hmm. And just like understanding, oh, wow, I work all week and this is what I get. <laughs> um, oh, and let's just not forget about taxes and the Rent, good chunk of money um... that takes out of your paycheck as well before it hits your bank account. Totally. Oh, my gosh. All of my oh, my goshes are not out of like pity, but rather out of so much compassion. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I, you know, my parents also instilled in me, though, was this concept of not being in debt. Um, yeah. And not getting into credit card debt or living in within your means and never kind of not falling into the trap of like, wow, you have to lead this lifestyle that isn't supported by the money that you're able to make. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, something that had a huge impact is, you know, never wanting to get into credit card debt and also being quite terrified about entering into credit card debt and kind of putting that off for a little bit because once you have it, like... I was so t- terrified that it was just going to mess up my credit score forever and I would be a horrible human being that could never buy anything in the future. <laughs> <laughs> if you felt that way about debt, did you also happen to take out loans for school? I did. I did. So um, I had to take loans out for college and then my parents weren't able to help me at the time. But then when I graduated, it was actually really, really wonderful of them. Um, And I just, now that I'm working and I have this concept of money, I understand how much work it took for them to be able to pay off my loans. Basically, they had this plan all along to cover my loans after I graduated. I had to pay them off. You have like a six month grace period or something, I think. And then they start collecting. (laughs) And so I did, I remember I was paying it off for a little bit, maybe like a year, but then my parents were able to get the money to pay it off for me. Long story short, they didn't want me to get married with debt. And so they made it work and actually paid it off before I got married, which I feel like forever grateful and indebted for. What was the experience though? Like, especially thinking about debt as something with a lot of wariness when you were pulling out a college loan like that, isn't that crazy? I don't know. I didn't pull out college loans, so I have no idea what that even entails. You know, to be completely honest with you, and y'all can judge me for this, but I don't think, I think, like I said, I was still very naive about the concept of money going into college. And I didn't fully grasp, like, this is money that I'm going to owe later on. And that's the thing, like, not to go off too much of a tangent, but I've recently been thinking about how dumb 
high school seniors are and like how little they truly understand about life when they go to college and just how there's no true understanding of money and all of that in college. And I don't think I fully got it until afterwards when I had to start making my own money. I, I never really understood that, yeah, this is actually a loan and you're going to have to start putting good chunks of your future paycheck towards this to pay it off. Yeah. Because genuinely, I had no assumption that my parents were going to help me pay it off. And I think that was a strategic move on their part because they didn't want me to think that I was going to just be able to get it covered by them in the future. But at the same time, I just think I was honestly like really stupid about it. I didn't fully get it. In my mind, student loans were in a separate category than credit card debt, which I know sounds really dumb. But yeah, I think I put them in different buckets in my brain. Not weird at all, actually. I think it's very, (laughs) no, like you laugh, but I think it's very easy as a high school senior, as a college student, and even as a very early post-grad to compartmentalize certain types of money when the reality is, is that they all are kind of intertwined in some way. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a bunch of school debt, it still impacts your credit score and you still owe a ton of interest on that. That so sucks. It is very much in the same bucket, unfortunately. Uh, it makes me like internally shudder. <laughs> I have such a weariness to like you to debt too. And any concept of owing people anything with regards to money is just, I think give freely is a value of mine, but equally you know, kind of tied to it is this wariness of, you know, I'm fine giving, but I don't ever want to have to give back because I couldn't do something. Yeah, that's just very strange to me and very, I I would even go so far as to use an extreme word like harrowing or something like something almost like (laughs) fictional and and far away. (laughs) Well, to kind of take it to the opposite extreme, you know, on the other side of debt, and you kind of touched on it, is the concept of generosity and being able to be very giving with your money, which I always find it beautiful and really inspiring when people can give and are generous, no matter at what income level they are or what kind of circumstances they have, people who can be generous. Because I think that's something that I want to continue getting better at, you know, to be totally honest. And just like I shared earlier in the question, I think there's so much freedom and so much joy that comes from being able to use your money to not just spend it on yourself, but to pay for dinner for someone else or just pay for the person behind you at the coffee shop, um, which is not something that I do normally. But then even like with tip, right? Like being generous with your tip, which I know I've kind of broad stroked, touched a bunch of topics, but in your mind, I'm curious, like what is the concept of generosity, specifically financial generosity? And what? how do you try to practice that in your day-to-day? I really like that we've come to this topic. I think it's something that I actually really enjoy talking about because I think, I don't know, I, I there's a lot of, um, I think that there are so many cool ideas that can go ahead and like spur from talking about something that's really positive about money, which has been thwarted by society and like distorted and just completely chewed on. But with generosity, I remember, so I one of the values that I do have are kind of giving either to causes or to organizations that I really find to be either influential or impactful or things that just kind of remind me to almost be generous. Like for those who don't know, Rachel and I are both Christian and it's 
part of our lifestyle to give back to our church um, and to give at the very like base level, like a 10%. And I remember a time, I think it was at some point after college, like when I wasn't working and I was just in like this very strange place and I couldn't give. And I just remember almost like hurting, not because I, I didn't have the money, but because I couldn't give. And I know that those might sound so blurred, but they are very distinct concepts to me. And so what I remember thinking, like, what are the things that I can give? Like, would it be my time instead? And I don't think that generosity is necessarily confined to a specific modality or a specific medium because it kind of comes back to where is your motivation behind it right is it to go ahead and flaunt like oh look at how much i can provide for you guys by you know like treating you out to foie gras is foie gras expensive i don't know (laughs) (laughs) like caviar (laughs) i'm just like thinking of these very like high level must be expensive i can't remember you have these very interesting pronunciations like you must be (laughs) but um Needless to say, I uh, when it comes to like generosity and things like that, I I remember the times when I wasn't able to give financially and and how much I wanted to just because I knew either like could have or like a church could have used it or this person could have used it and I wasn't able to give in that way. And I remember it brings such a privilege to be generous. And I really carry that with me having kind of like lived even briefly so through personally um, financially trying times and so yeah I don't know I I like giving and I like generosity Um, (laughs) I think those are all very great things to do as a lifestyle and as a way to also maybe not like consciously so but on a deeper level protect yourself from having money have such a stronghold on you and on your life and the way that you kind of run throughout the course of your day I don't know, Rachel, do you have anything to like add or like even challenge on that? No, I didn't want to interrupt you because you were going on such a good roll there. Um, <laughs> but I love what you said about generosity being a privilege. I think, yeah, your direct experience obviously speaks to that. But being in a place to give, even when it costs you more, I think just being able to do that is such a privilege and Honestly, like you said, like lets you go helps you let go of a lot of like fear that if I don't have this or if I don't if I'm not secure in this, then I won't be okay. I think generally, especially in the States, a lot of people, the majority of people I would go on a limb to say are in a place where they can be more generous than they are hmm. in the current state. And that also includes me. And I think that's something that I just want to be better at in general. And it doesn't have to be big ways, even in some of the examples that I mentioned, like just being thoughtful and thinking about the person who like really served you in a really great way at the coffee shop over next door or paying for someone who might not be expecting it and then just asking them to pay it forward. Um, That's like stuff that I want to do, but also like on the, giving back to church and organizations. I'll be very honest and just disclose that that was not always something that I was very comfortable with doing. There was a long, a large period of time um, where I didn't feel like I could. I didn't feel like, I felt like if I gave that away, it meant less for me. And mm. I 
it hurt every time I did it. And I always had to like have this internal battle every month when I was like, Oh, am I going to do it again this month? Am I not like, can I afford it? Um, but now I've gotten into a very regular habit of it, mostly because it's automated. Um, <laughs> but despite it being automated, I actually know that that's more important for me because that will actually get me into the habit of making that sacrifice every month. And that works for me right now, at least. There was a time when I was in denial and I was like, I want to um, you know, take out my checkbook and write it out and do that. But the first step for me was just to get in the regular habit of setting that money from my income aside. Mm. Um, and so maybe at some point that will change and I'll go back to doing it the, the manual way. But right now that's kind of where I'm at. I think generosity is definitely something that I want to continue growing in. So, um, and it doesn't have to be monetary. That's the other thing that I'll say. I think you hit on, it can be with your time. It can be in the smallest of things ever. Yeah. And just being in a habit and a lifestyle where it's not just about you and things that you care about, I think is important to reiterate. Yeah. There's, it actually raises a good question too, in terms of, do we equate generosity in its definition as being tied into sacrifice or what is it really boiled down to? Because would you say that it's very generous of Bill Gates to give 1 million when his net worth is in the billions? Good question. I do think there's kind of generosity and sacrificial generosity. So Bill Gates giving a million that's great. That's like a million dollars that organization didn't have before Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you could very well say, well, that's not really costing him a ton. Mm -hmm. And that's a giving at the point where it truly hurts and affects you. I think that is a deeper, deeper layer. But I don't think you get to that deeper layer until you've hit that initial, like, I'm actually going to give away part of what I have to someone else. Mm-hmm. The reason why I ask is because I think for a long time, um, there was this like trend when people would say like, what is your love language? And I know that this gets slightly off the topic of money, but don't worry, we're going to round back around. And then of the love, what were the love language like time? Oh my God, Rachel, I don't, what were the five, four? Uh, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, and acts of service. Access, okay. And I remember whenever I was asked this question, I would respond and say sacrifice <laughs> because I remember the, that actually. Yeah, because what what I remember thinking was, you know, for some people, it's very fluid and easy to have quality time with others and it doesn't come at a cost. So like it's not truly it, it could be very rote and it could be very just mechanical. And so that's the reason why it said sacrifice because you know if it if it cost you like if it was something that was hard for you to do but you did it because you know you I would even go maybe strongly as like oh because you loved me or or whatnot um that that's why you did it then I will appreciate any of those five right but mm -hmm. kind of coming back to this definition of generosity and tying it with money and all of these things I think that at one point you transcend sacrifice because I think about our parents who I'm sure that sometimes they, in their humanity, right? Like we're thinking of the logistics and of the repercussions and the consequences and the costs that come with affording us different opportunities, but that there must have been 
a million other instances for that one or for that two where they had thought about the cost where they didn't, you know, right? Where they were just like, I simply love them and therefore I will extend, you know, this moment or this form of generosity. I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, there, I asked this question about generosity and tying it to sacrifice, but could we for a moment consider one that really goes above and beyond that which we can like quantify, right? And it comes down to having this freedom from things like money and what it can do or what society tells us it can do and move in like another direction entirely. Does that even begin to make sense? I'm just I think I'm tracking with you. Basically being able to give so generously of yourself where it's like all sacrifice. But you don't think about it that way. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. Like it's always important for us to take those initial first steps, however small or however large they may be for each respective person. But eventually like it will no longer be even thought of as generosity as an act or generosity as a service or generosity as a sacrifice totally because they're symptomatic of like this deeper root that i am generous because it cost me something but instead moving to this more intimate understanding of i am generous because i love and that being sort of the root by which you know we we evaluate the way we spend money if at all and i think the money you spend is the truest reflection of what you love Ooh. and that is if you want I mean, a lot of people know this already, but if you want to know and assess what you love, then mm-hmm. you'll take a look at what you spend your money on. So whether that's your bank account or your credit card statement, I think that would be a good reflection and it's a good measure of what is it that I really care about and yeah. what is it that is true of myself in this moment. I agree for like 97% of that. <laughs> <laughs> What's the 3%? Well, because then you think about... You know, for instance, when you were first starting to make money and how like 70% would just have to go off to necessary expenses, including taxes, rent, you know, like groceries, whatever. And or like for the disadvantage, like I know this is just kind of getting into this very like emotional and strange space where you consider maybe one too many things. But I ultimately agree with you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying, though, about like, there's a certain percentage of our income that we spend on, that's kind of like, doesn't matter. But even with that, I would argue, if you're paying rent for a specific area, San Francisco, then that's important to you, you find it valuable and important to live in the city that you're in. Or if you decide like, I actually don't want to spend the ridiculous rent that is San Francisco rent, I'm going to go live in the boonies in (laughs) Montana, you can go ahead and make that decision. That means that that's not as valuable to you. So I hear what you're saying. Taxes are for everybody. You can't avoid them. <laughs> Everyone will have them. But some things, most things um, really do reflect what you care about, I would argue. Yeah. And again, like I ultimately do agree with you. It's a great, I think it's always a great first step in terms of like personal self-evaluation. Just taking a look at that bank statement and being like, oh, why did this happen? What am I thinking about? 
The other thing that is true for all of us is that we have to work. Um, I don't know anyone my age yet who is retired. Um, if I did, I think that would just upset me. Um, <laughs> but I think that ties into our next episode. Nina, do you want to let us know what we'll be talking about in episode seven? Yeah, it is my honor. Um, for episode seven, lucky number seven, hopefully, we'll be talking about what it's like for women in the workplace. A lot of this conversation has been kind of focused on money, but it's it's a conversation that could actually carry on into um, just what it's like to be a woman in the workplace, what it's like to face different types of situations and circumstances given our gender. And Rachel and I both work in very different industries. So it'll be interesting to see Rachel being in tech and uh, me for the most part being in creative. So yeah, we hope that you look forward to our conversation in the next two weeks. And if you have any follow-up thoughts on today's topic or any of the previous episodes, feel free to tweet us at Two Asian Vaginas. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us, please. <laughs> Five stars, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's it for us. Bye, everyone. 